And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 135 of the Bags in Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, why hath God forsaken Giants fans? <laughs> the third place Giants, uh, as of five minutes ago. Yeah, it's it's, it, it's amazing how, how attitudes can change over the course of one weekend series. But, uh, you know, it's crazy. The Giants had not lost three games in a row all season. That's pretty good. If you can go through a year where you don't lose three times in a row, you're pretty much the 2001 Seattle Mariners. Um, But (laughs) the Dodgers come into town the first time the teams face each other and the Dodgers win all three games. So yeah, kind of of shifting sands. Yeah. I I mean, there's no way to put a good spin on it. It feels, I don't know if disingenuous is the right word, but it it feels like... uh, like you're burying something under the rug if you go, well, you know, don't forget about all the good that happened before the Dodgers series, because all that good led to heightened expectations. And you thought the Giants and Dodgers was going to be this clash of the Titans. And it was not. It was Godzilla brushing some dandruff off. And I think the Giants are a better team than what they showed over the weekend. At the same time, it's hard to like talk yourself into that. It's hard to get up for it and say, no, actually, they they, they still are really good. You'll see. Yeah, and I thought, you know, both of us wrote uh, two different things uh, off of uh, Sunday's game and the, and the weekend overall. And I think the overall points we made were pretty similar, uh, which is, you know, don't, you know, basically check out on the Giants or, or think that, you know, the, they've turned into pumpkins and the season's over. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it was a very stark reminder that the Dodgers are, have more talent and more talent usually means a better team and more wins. And that talented team, by the way, didn't have Corey Seager or Bellinger or even Mookie Betts in the lineup on Sunday. And they threw three pitchers that were just incredibly impenetrable. And none of them were named Clayton Kershaw. So, you know, the Dodgers are a very talented team. They are a more talented team than the Giants. It doesn't mean that the Giants are like totally out of it. I, I, I was thinking about this after I wrote my story and I kind of made a Jeopardy analogy. Um, the way that I thought about studying for Jeopardy was there are going to be some categories that if they come up, I am just not going to do well in. I, there's no <laughs> amount of studying that can help me just go five for five in an opera category. Uh, but if I can study some basics and get some some sort of some of the easy ones, maybe I pick off one or two in that category, then that category won't be just, I won't get steamrolled in it. And that was my goal. And that's kind of how I feel the Giants goal should be against the Dodgers. You know, play them tough, you know, try to play them like you played the Padres. You don't need to, you know, 
win the season series. You don't even need to, uh, you know, go nine and nine in the season series, but just don't get steamrolled by them. And, uh, and they obviously did in this series, but they're going to have another one coming up and another chance. Yeah. And, and the idea of, you know, well, the Dodgers are more talented than the Giants. It, like, that's not surprising. It's not surprising before this season. It's not surprising before 2016. The Dodgers were probably more talented than the 2014 Giants. Uh, you know, it's, it's, this is not a surprise. It's what you were expecting. I'd just be kind of grateful that the Giants for about a month or five weeks allowed you to at least pretend like maybe if you squint and this goes the right way that it's not going to be like that. You know, it's it's a cold bucket of reality that was thrown on everyone. But at the same time, it's not a surprise. I mean, the Dodgers are just a fantastically talented team. Nobody is surprised. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's still there's still all kinds of stuff for the Giants out there to to achieve. They went from, you know, uh, first to third place. Okay, there's still one more series out from being a first place team again. And who cares what the standings look like in May anyway? You just don't want to, you know, play your way out of things early in the season. And and the Giants have done the opposite of that. They had the best record in the league for most of these first two months. And they've, they've led the way in the division for most of these first two months. And, you know, the Dodgers are going to go on some crazy runs. They're starting one right now. And they probably will win the division. Uh, but, uh, you know, if if the, the NL West keeps shaking out the way it will, there's a really good chance that both wild cards could come out of the NL West. And uh, if that happens, the Giants could find themselves in the postseason and, and – then you might say, well, okay, but how are they going to face again? How are they going to do against upper level pitching? They haven't really looked capable of of hitting those elite pitchers. Well, let, let's just see this season for what it is. I mean, they're they, they, you really didn't expect them to contend, and so if they do uh, contend all the way to the end of the season, that that's pretty fulfilling. That's a pretty fulfilling fan experience, I think. One of the things that I've been doing a lot with my articles is digging into, and I, I keep using this term because it fits, what's under the hood. When you pop open the hood, how are the Giants operating right now? How are the 2021 Giants doing this? And when you look, all that stuff is really encouraging. They're hitting the ball hard. They are throwing the ball in a way where it's preventing hard contact. They're catching the ball. We've talked about this on Slack where the Giants are catching the ball better than anyone would have expected. You know, I wrote an article about how they might be one of the best teams in the league. It's bizarre and it's all good stuff. Like you can't just, you know, ignore that because of three lousy games. That being said, none of that data suggests that the Giants are better than the Dodgers. It just suggests that they're doing something incredibly right, that what you're watching before that Dodger series isn't a total mirage. They have a lot of work to do. They they can certainly improve the lineup, the rotation and the bullpen. But at the same time, there is still stuff going right. Yeah, I think that, you know, if you look at the positives, it's that whether it's the front office and how they're sort of filling out the 40-man roster, or if it's the coaching staff and what they're getting out of the players on that roster, they're maximizing what they have. They're finding ways, and some are very creative ways, and some are very basic ways to maximize the value that they have. And that's a great infrastructure to put in place when you have talented players, really talented players, plus that infrastructure, then you're the Dodgers. And obviously the Dodgers have more of those super talented players right now. So, you know, the Giants will hope whether it's free agency after the season or whether it's inputs from the farm system and we know who the names are, uh, that they'll get to the point where they have the Mookie Betts type player and the Cody Bellinger type player. And they'll have the prospect largesse to be able to trade for what else they need 
And they're not there yet. And we knew they weren't there yet. And they weren't going to get there, you know, within a year or two. Uh, but they're closer. And that infrastructure is, is very clearly in place. So, you know, this isn't just to say all is great with the Giants. They're not the best team in the league, you know. But I think if you're looking at this as a process, um, they're, they're on a good path. And not only that, but uh, <laughs> it's a lot easier to trust the process when the team is able to win series. And they've been able to do that uh, pretty dependably uh, up to this point. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, I have a wild idea. I've got – this is, you know, me thinking outside of the box. It's a little different. But over the weekend, three of the best Dodgers uh, in the lineup, whether it was uh, by adjusted OPS or just what in the heck they did against Giants pitching, Max Muncy, Justin Turner, and Chris Taylor – all three of whom were sort of just forgotten about players. They were undervalued players. They were not considered to be future stars. What if the Giants were to figure out who in the heck found those guys and hire that guy away from the Dodgers? The guy who who figured out that Muncie, Turner, and Taylor were going to be better than everyone had pegged. And what if we? What if the Giants hired that guy? <laughs> they should try that. that. That is a crazy idea. What do you think would happen? I don't know, but it, it sort of speaks to the Dodgers are really good because of a lot of the the seeds that, that Farhan Zaidi planted, and he's doing it again. He's he's finding, you know, Yastrzemski. He's, he's getting players like that and sort of redoing that part. What needs to happen is everything underneath that needs to take time. The Will Smith, uh, the you need to have like a, a, a Bellinger. You need to have these prospects come up, and we've always known that. It's just such a surprise how quickly we can forget about that. Just a little bit of success at the beginning of the season. And it's like, well, the Giants are ready now. And I, for one, forget about it. I don't know if you forget. Maybe you're always cognizant of it. But I, it, it's so easy to just slip into, aha, the Giants are good now. Let's all enjoy this because it's never going to end. You know what? Um, they could even make a, a bigger impact if, in addition to, to hiring that executive who helped to find all those players, they also hired the farm director who helped to develop some of those other players. Um, do you think that that would be possible? It sounds too bananas to work. We deal in cold, hard reality here, Andy. We, we do. Mm, it, mm. <laughs> but honestly, the, the real difference between the Dodgers and the Giants, other than, well, I guess everything, but specifically the pitching. You know, they have a, an Arias. They have a Bueller. Uh, May before he got hurt, the Dodgers had already weaponized those young pitchers and sent them out into the world and, and had them do really good things. The Giants are still figuring out what they have in Logan Webb. They're, they're still very much in a rudimentary stage of that development. Yeah, and, and you look at what they did against Anthony DiSclefani and you know throw out everything that happened after the Urias uh two-run double that made it, what, 3 nothing I think, in the yeah. second inning? Because after that, I mean, it was a comical amount of weak contact that found holes. And then, obviously, you know, it had been a long inning. He serves one up uh, to Gavin Lux. It's a grand slam, and the Dodgers are, are all of a sudden up, you know, 10 nothing. But 
there was just so much comically weak contact. It reminded me of that one Madison Bumgarner start against, like, the Twins, I think. It was an interleague start. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he didn't make it out of the first inning, and there wasn't one ball hit hard off him. And he, I remember he was just, like, kind of shell-shocked. He's like, I don't know what happened out there, guys. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was just, you just have to say, okay, sometimes you're just going to have an inning like that. And it just happened at the, you know, worst possible time to, for everybody who was looking for some confirmation bias that the Giants were going to be put in their place by the Dodgers. And, you know, let's let's be real. There's a lot else that happened in that in that weekend series that showed the Dodgers are, in fact, a superior team. But, you know, yeah, the, the approach the Dodgers had in the first time through against DiScalfani is what I thought was really interesting because they came out hacking. I mean, they came out really aggressive. It was ambush swing after ambush swing. And, you know, they, I don't I don't know if the Giants were ready for that, for the, for that Dodgers to take that approach. They might have thought that, okay, these guys are just going to take the first pitch and work deep counts and do what we know they do. So, you know, there, there are times when, you know, you have to adjust. And I think maybe the uh, the uh, Casali and DiScalfani didn't quite adjust fast enough to that. Um, but that was just one aspect of that series that I thought was interesting. And it just goes to show you that the Dodgers are not only talented, but, you know, they're just they're just as well coached. They're just as smart. They're, they're, they're getting just as much on the margins uh, as the Giants are hoping to. And it's that combination that makes them especially dangerous. It's dangerous, but I want to say it was like a tip your cap series. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the Dodgers were doing things better than the Giants uh, with some key players missing, you know, especially, like you said, bets out on Sunday. Uh, at the same time, I don't necessarily think the gap between the two teams is as immense as it seemed over the weekend. I think if you're going to play the, the long game, the Giants aren't a billion T runs worse than the Dodgers over every three game series they're going to play. And, and as luck would have it, we'll figure this out when they go to LA at the end of this week. I just don't think that it is. Yes, the Dodgers are better, and we've said that repeatedly in this episode of the podcast. At the same time, the Giants are still pretty good, and the gap is narrower than anyone would have imagined before the season started. That doesn't mean that there isn't a gap. I still think that the Giants should be more competitive than that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's the laziest take in history to say that, oh, order was restored, or boy, it's nice what the Giants are doing, but they're not going to make the playoffs this year. You know, it's, I mean, that's just a bad, bad take. So, you know, the, the Giants have played well enough to make you think that they're a team that can be a playoff team. Because you know what? They're not going to play the Dodgers for most of the games they have left this season. And they've done pretty well against the teams they should beat. And that means picking it up and, and, and restarting it again and, and going to Phoenix and, and beating a Diamondbacks team that, that they're better than. They're, they're better than the Diamondbacks. So um, I think that's that's uh, it's pretty obvious thus far. So, you know, it's it's uh, you, like you said, you, you just have to tip your cap and, and, and get ready for the next series. And if, if the Giants had viewed this as a make or break part of the schedule, these first three games against the Dodgers, if they thought that they had such outsized importance, and maybe last year in a 60-game schedule they would have, and they did, in fact, they, they schemed the hell out of every single series against the Dodgers. They used, you know, Drew Smiley's throw day and, and, and got a relief inning out of it instead. I mean, they, they used openers. They, they made roster moves. They, Kevin Gosman did not pitch in, in that last series. You know, when, when they faced the Dodgers seven times out of nine games, Gosman's only going to face the Dodgers, at least he's on turn two, in the last of those games. So, you know, they, they, they sat out Buster Posey in a day game after a, a late afternoon game. Uh, they stayed, you know, vigilant to, you know, what they've been doing all along in terms of they weren't treating these games like they had to absolutely 
win them or with that kind of sense of urgency. And that kind of tells you that, okay, you know, their, their, their season isn't going to be decided by what happened in that weekend series. And, you know, now the, the trick is just to sort of put it in the rearview mirror, which is easier said than done, probably harder even for fans than it is for them. But, uh, you know, you just have to restart the paradigm and, and start beating the teams that you think you're better than, which is most of the teams in the league, given the first two months of the season. All right, well, let's move on to happier times and happier thoughts, because I was impressed with Scott Kazmir. Uh, not just the story and that he is on, you know, gosh, his third or fourth different comeback. Uh, I was impressed with his stuff, you know, more. It, it's, you know, he only struck out two Dodgers in four innings, uh, but he, he faced 13 batters, allowed two hits, uh, not a ton of, of hard contact. He didn't walk anyone. I was just impressed with a 37 year old who hadn't pitched since 2016 much better than he had a right to look. Yeah, you know, it's it's a really nice story. And, you know, it the fact that he had to go play for a, a team called the Eastern uh, Reyes del Tigre, <laughs> literally named after the Tiger King documentary series. And, and, you know, it's that was the only place that he could stand on a mound and get a hitter in front of him. And, and he pitched well. Every single turn, he was like, you know what? This, this is not a crazy idea. He, he, he thought of coming back at his two-year-old son's birthday party when he was talking to his former personal trainer. He's like, you know, I feel pretty good. You know, I'm throwing with some high school kids. And what do you think? Is this crazy? He's like, no, it's only crazy if you don't try. So, um, you know, this is a guy who came back after being out of the league for two years. And that was when he was 27. Now he's coming back after four years when he's 37. I mean, it's just like the the degree of difficulty is just infinitely harder. And, you know, is, is he a guy who's going to, you know, pitch complete games or even seven innings? Probably not. Is he going to have the stamina to be to maintain his stuff for more than, you know, four or five innings or 75 pitches? You know, probably not. Um, but was he able to step in when the team needed him and, and, and be a lefty with, with a hook uh, against a team that you know, that's probably about as good a, a profile of a pitcher as you can throw at that team? Yeah, he, he absolutely helped the, the Giants uh, uh, almost win a baseball game that day. And if he wasn't facing Walker Bueller, then, then maybe they would have. Um, so good story for him. We'll see just how long he stays on the, on the roster or what his future role might be. But, you know, it, I think he's already he'd probably already say he's achieved what he hoped to achieve. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I have an irrational attachment to Scott Kazmir because when I first started writing about baseball uh, full time, uh, he was a comeback story then. And this is in 2012. Uh, 2013. Uh, he was in te- in 2012. His teammates on the Sugarland Skeeters included a 49 year old Roger Clemens and a 35 year old Jason Lane. And why that's important is because Jason Lane was a an Astros prospect who was an outfielder. This 35 year old Jason Lane was like trying to pitch, and he was pitching for the Sugarland Skeeters, and he was pitching way better than Scott Casimir. <laughs> so for him to come back from that to you know have that second part of his career was already incredible. It was already like, oh heck yeah, that is a fun fun story, and just 
I don't remember a gap like this where a 33-year-old left because of injuries and rode off into the sunset and then came back in his late 30s. And, you know, it would have been a good story if he had gotten bombed. But he looked like a guy who, I don't know, maybe short relief is his thing. Maybe the Giants want him as depth as as the, the pitcher in the glass case in case everything starts burning around him. But maybe as like a, a short inning guy, that could work. I, I don't know. It was just impressive. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what his preparation is like and how long it takes him to get heated up. You know, I mean, that that obviously would, if it takes him a while, um, you know, to warm up, then then that would make it tough for him to be a short reliever. But, yeah, I mean, we've talked a couple times about how this team doesn't have, you know, a, a Yusmero Petit, Guillermo Moda type guy. So, you know, insofar as maybe he could fulfill that kind of role eventually. Yeah, that that's certainly possible. I, you know, talking to him, he sounds like he's just happy to do whatever, um, you know, the, the team uh, wants him to do if they think he can help out. Um, and I think that he was going to uh, consider playing for Team USA in the in the Olympic qualifying tournament that's coming up if, if uh, you know, this opportunity in the big leagues wasn't there for him. So, you know, clearly he, he did a lot of work to get ready for this and to make this a possibility. And and I think from, from here out, it's probably just whatever he does is gravy. So with the Giants, uh, we've talked about uh, the Giants' depth and how they've built this depth and how you were going to have this, uh, you know, Devon could play here and Lestella can play there. And you have just mix and match all these different parts. It's been tested this uh, so far this season with all the injuries. It seems like every team in baseball is dealing with the same thing. So this isn't a boohoo, poor Giants thing. Is the depth enough? Is it is it going to be tested more? I mean, should they just expect to to dig deeper into their well of depth? Or I mean, I'm just trying to figure out if if there's something more they could do, or if this is the the depth that they have, and and it better be enough. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're still in May. I mean, it's uh, it's we're not even on the back nine yet. So um, yeah, there's certainly a lot that can go wrong, and there's a lot of ways that depth can be tested and. And I think we all knew when the season started that they didn't have a heck of a lot of starting pitching depth. And, and maybe at some point, you know, we would see a Sean Jelly or we would see, you know, maybe a Tristan Beck or or, or some of these uh, uh, other prospects. And, and maybe some of them would have to be called up before they're really ready, just in case, you know, they, they have a need. And, and, you know, we haven't gotten to that stage yet, but, you know, it's teams go through a lot over the course of a season. And, you know, we're not even through. Um, uh, you know, the second month yet. So yeah, I, I think the short answer to, to your question is they are going to be tested more and they probably don't have enough depth in some areas, but they also are continuing to try to develop that depth as they go along. So yeah, I think it'll be just as interesting to see, you know, how not only how Alex Wood can stay healthy and, and if uh, uh, Di Scalfani can shake this one off and Gosman can keep doing what he's doing, get Logan Webb back in there, keep Johnny Cueto healthy, uh, but, you know, if, if those guys do need uh, backup, you know, it's going to be important that they continue to develop, you know, the Sean Jellies that they have down there, too, because we're probably going to see him at some point. All right. Let's do something of a little bit of a lightning round where we talk about I'm going to throw out a name and then we'll talk about whether this pitcher will be helping the Giants bullpen uh, in two, three months from now. Uh, and I'm going to start with Zach Littell, who has a shiny 0.84 ERA. He, his strikeout, he's missing more bats uh, in, the, in his last few outings. Is Zach Littell going to be someone who helps going forward, or is he going to be shuffled out for someone else in the near future? Mm. Um, 
I, I I would say I would say so. I, I would keep him around. I mean, he's obviously pitched very well to this point. So yeah, if this is a lightning round, then I'll keep my comments brief. I'll say I'll say yes. I'm a hold. Hold Dogecoin and and Zach Littell. <laughs> I think yeah, it, I'm, I'm getting good vibes from Zach Littell. And this is the sort of thing where I say that, and then the the heavens rumble, and all of a sudden he allows nine earned runs in his next third of an inning. That I I kind of like what he brings with the mid nineties uh, fastball. The the, the slider that breaks a lot, it, it seems like a very 2021 bullpen piece, back of the bullpen. I'm not talking someone who's going to be your setup man or closer, but just an arm to throw out there in the fifth, sixth inning. I, I think he's sort of what they've been looking for for most of the year. So I will also hold on him and I'll move on to Sam Selman. Sam Selman, uh, he has appeared in six games for the Giants, even though it feels like he's been on the roster for long enough to have appeared in more than six games. Is Sam Selman going to be around? I'm not sure Sam Selman is throwing enough strikes. I, I think that that is the number one thing that can get you sent back to the minors is if you don't throw enough strikes and if you don't have command of at least two of your pitches and uh you know he's he's had some struggles so i would say given that he's optional uh he's got some optional ability or whatever (laughs) i'm making up words now um you can send him to the minors damn it um i would imagine when they have another need they'll probably send him out optionalitude it's called optionalitude that's it that's it. No. <laughs> uh, I, I guess since this is the Bags and Brisby hive mind, I agree. I just, I would be surprised if he were on the roster, I guess for the Roach. I mean, I, this is going to be released probably when we would know, but it would surprise me if he were on the roster next week because of the options, but also because he's not throwing strikes in, in a situation where y- y- the cameras would cut to Gabe Kapler and he's sort of looking out there going, really? Come on, just mm-hmm. throw freaking strikes with this huge lead against the Reds. Um, and you have Jose Alvarez, you have Harleen Garcia as the lefties. Uh, but that brings up Harleen Garcia. Do you think Harleen Garcia has proven to be someone the Giants just can't live without for the rest of the season? Yeah, same thing. Eight walks in 12 and a third innings. I mean, it's just way too many walks. He's given up three home runs, uh, 16 strikeouts. So, I mean, he's got stuff and he, he's out of options. I know that they they like him. They think that he's got good stuff, uh, but um, I I think that they'll probably have more patience with him than they would someone that uh, they could very easily send back to AAA um, because once you cut the cord with them, he's pretty much gone. So, um, yeah, I would say they're going to give him a little more rope to figure it out, but... Yeah, it hasn't been good so far. All right. I think this is the last one, but I've been known to change my mind on the fly. All right. This is a pitcher who has a a fielding independent pitching of FIP of 385. Uh, Kayla Berger, for contrast, has a a FIP of 3.75. So when you get to the peripheral stats, maybe he's just as good as Berger has been. Berger has walked walked 10 in 15 innings. This pitcher has walked 9 in 14 and a third innings. And I'm talking about Jose Alvarez. When you pop the hood, he's pitching roughly as well as Caleb Berger, but one of them has an ERA under one, and one of them looks like he's struggling every time he's out there. Uh, Is Alvarez going to get fixed? Yeah, what's interesting is I'm looking at the stats here myself, and Berger has a whip of 1.4. I mean, that's bad, but He's got a .60 ERA. Alvarez has a whip of 1.74, which is 
worse and very bad. <laughs> and and obviously, um, some of his runners are crossing the plate. Um, so, you know, Berger's probably been, uh, you could say, a little lucky, or he's been ex- extraordinarily careful. I have a feeling, though, just from watching him, and I don't have, you know, uh, an abacus as I'm watching this to, to know how many of these walks are, are really, you know, command issues and how many of them are just really strategic or just not giving in. Um, but I feel like a lot of Berger's walks are just not giving in and going after the next hitter. And obviously that's been successful for him. He's getting the next hitter out because his ERA is, is under one. Um, so, you know, if you're going to issue those strategic walks or, or, or decide that someone's not going to beat you, uh, we know that that's not generally the organizational um, uh, uh, sort of strategy. I mean, work fast, be in the strike zone, um, you know, throw competitive pitches. That's what they want. So they don't want you to um, uh, sort of, Walk the bases loaded and then and then strike out the side because you feel good facing the seven, eight, and nine hitters. Uh, but if you're going to use that strategy, you'd better get the next guy out. And I think that Berger's got the stuff to do that. However, I I, I think Alvarez, when they've needed a, a clean inning out of him, he he has come up uh, uh, and, and given them some clean innings. So um, I think that he'll be around. Yeah, I just to get on uh, the point of Berger real quick. I think what he brings is a fastball that batters just don't see a lot. Where Alvarez has a much more traditional, you know, you got the change, you've got the the breaking pitches. You you know, you've seen Alvarez before. Where Berger, he comes at a hitter fastball forward and it's a fastball that's not a million miles per hour, but it's got that spin rate. It's what the Giants identified uh, early on last year when they, he was an afterthought. He was just an NRI when they said, okay, wait a second, this might play. And they were right. And they've been right ever since. I think he's just funky in a way that you can't replicate. And he builds on that idea of funk. Alvarez is a little bit more traditional, but I also think he's going to get every last chance to succeed because the Giants hold a a team option on him for next year. Uh, I think at one and a half million dollars. And if he can be the pitcher that he's been for like his entire career, for the most part, that's a valuable team option to have. You want that guy, even if he's the second lefty, third lefty in a bullpen. The guy he's been for the nine years previous to this is someone you want in a bullpen. So the Giants are going to give him every option, uh, pun intended, or every chance to just be the pitcher they thought he was going to be. Yeah, and and, and looking at Alvarez, looking at uh, Harleen Garcia, when they've needed um, to make roster moves, what have they done? They've already put those guys each on the on the injured list once. And how injured were they? I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously they have to have some medical reason. Um, but you know they've 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 been able to use the injured list to to you know figure things out uh, when when they've had to and I'm sure that the same could be um, could be true for a Latell or, or or some of these other guys that they can't uh, can't send out um, and now they've got Nick Tropiano on the roster and, and he's a guy they can't send out uh, and they're going to have to make a move and they, by the time you hear this maybe they will have made a move to reinstate uh, Matt Whistler who was on the bereavement list so um, yeah it, it's going to be a juggling act and and they'll have to find some creative ways to to um, you know make sure they can keep everybody in the organization they've already had to do that to some extent and it's just that's part of the bargain of, of a long season all right at the end of the lightning round I present one final question to you it is is the bullpen still the biggest problem for the Giants when you're talking lineup rotation bullpen it's still the bullpen they should worry about above all else right I think so I mean it, it seems to be the, the the it's been the biggest issue with the team thus far it's the least valuable uh, part of the team and wins above average um, 
I mean, yeah, it's it, it's certainly, you look where, who can you trust? How many people do you really feel in that bullpen that you can trust? And it's probably not as many as as, as you would hope. I mean, you just look at the ERAs. Uh, McGee is 4.58, Whistler is 6.75, Alvarez, we've talked about his whip. I mean, they their, their whip as, as an overall uh, bullpen, I mean, aside from Tyler Rogers, they're, they're, it's not very good. So, um, yeah, reducing the amount of base runners and working more clean innings, uh, they're going to need that, and 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 you need that whether you're winning or losing because you know we've seen it. We've seen you know you're just trying to get to the finish line in a game, and and you got to throw Darren Ruff out there, or, or you got to you know use your frontline guys just to get through a game. I mean that's that's just a waste of resources. Yeah, I think the the reason I ask that now is because the bullpen was not the reason the Giants got swept by the Dodgers. Uh, it was you know the Giants lineup could be pitched to. It was uh, Urias and Bueller and Ty- and Trevor Bauer just making mincemeat out of a, a struggling Giants lineup. So it feels like that's a lineup that can be pitched. To At the same time, I think that there's a little bit of confirmation bias there because when Donovan, if or when Donovan Solano gets hot or Alex Dickerson gets hot or Austin Slater gets hot, they're not easy to pitch to. And it just seems like you have a lot of cold giants right now. I'm less worried about the lineup than I am the bullpen. If you're asking me to predict one week, one month in the future, I think the lineup will generally be fine. The bullpen, eh, not so sure. Yeah. And you know what? To maybe put a, a shine on this a little bit, they were not necessarily easy to pitch to. I mean, I I, I can't think that Trevor Bauer in his heart of hearts, uh, dark and, and, and scarred as it is, um, that, that you, he would say he had an easy outing. I mean, he threw almost 130 pitches and he did not get through the seventh inning. Um, you know, the, the Giants still made him work. They made him work really hard and he made some great pitches again and again and again, um, you know, to, to make it look like an easy line score. But that was that was a lot of effort. I mean, those were not, um, they were not being dispatched, um, you know, by Trevor Bauer. Uh, it, it was not they, they made it tough on him. And and Walker Bueller was the first pitcher all season against the Giants. Kerry Crowley pointed this out. It's brilliant. I hadn't even occurred to me. No starting pitcher had gone seven innings against the Giants all season until Walker Bueller did. So, you know, yeah, do they have guys who are going to hit 50 home runs? No. But, you know, are, are they going to make a pitcher work? Yeah. And they kind of did in, in this series, too. So, I think that's maybe a, a hopeful sign. And to end on that, I think that that's a good point because Bueller, he struck out five Giants. He, he faced 26 batters. He struck five of them out. But that, too, suggests a little bit of a plan. The Giants weren't just going up and hacking against him wildly and hoping they ran into one. The Giants strike out a fair amount. It's 2021 baseball. But they still made contact against Bueller and... I don't know. It's just so easy to read too much into a three-game series. I fall into that trap, too. Yeah, but, you know, that's what they pay us for. So we, we oblige. You get paid. All right, that's a conversation. <laughs> that's something to talk about off the air. All right, this has been one... 1- 35 episode 135 of the bags and brisbee podcast we will be back on thursday to talk about what in the heck the giants have done against the diamondbacks thanks so much for listening as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.